0: These are the sand dunes of Warramai National Park and uh, they're much easier getting here on a four-wheel drive than they are hiking in. In fact, I remember quite a number of years ago now, a bunch of guys, we were all much younger, probably a bit fitter. We decided it would be a great fitness program to come out here once a week and run up and down the sand dunes. A dumb idea. I'm not sure whose it was, probably Billy's. But we, uh, we trained out here and um, if you stuck to it, it'd be probably really good for you. Training is one of those things you you know you should do physically and yet it's hard to get into it. It's better if you know what to expect, I guess. And uh, when I came out here, I knew what to expect. It's a tried and true theme for a successful story. And the hero of the narrative... Begins as a, a diamond in the rough, uh, a likable but maybe weak character who's bullied and stood over. And then, from some unexpected place, an older, wiser mentor steps in, coaching the unassuming young proge into a fierce fighting machine that wins the final battle against all odds. And of all the films that have used this plot device, none have done it, at least, none have done it more memorably than the original Karate Kid, released in, I think, 1984. Young Daniel LaRusso finds himself in a new town and he's the target of merciless bullies. And then... A local repairman who just fortunately happens to be a karate master takes him under his wing and uh, coaches him to glory. Who, who can forget those uh, sort of iconic karate kid scenes where Mr. Miyagi uh, instructs Daniel by getting him to repeatedly clean his car. Remember? Wax on wax off I was hooked I spent the next five years after that movie I reckon trying to perfect that infamous crane kick at the end of the movie Uh, I, I practiced it I trained for it but Mr Miyagi's training techniques were unusual weren't they and the inexperienced Daniel just couldn't quite see how these were preparing him to be victorious in his final fight. And as we've been going through the book of Jude, I think that in a similar way, Jude has been instructing us in unusual fighting techniques. He's been asking us to contend for the faith, but the way that he's done it maybe is a little bit surprising. It's cut against the grain of the sort of combative culture that we're living in right now. So I want to do a little review before we get into the passage that we're looking at this week. Uh, Let's remind ourselves what it is that we're contending for. The first thing to remind us is that, well, we aren't... Contending for our religious liberties or our spiritual preferences. I think Jude makes that quite clear. But what we are contending for is the integrity of the gospel as it was passed down to us from the very beginning. And so we read in Jude 3 and 4 Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They're ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Jude then gives us His first fighting technique. And it's this. Know your enemy. He outlines the type of character that we should watch for in these people who have slipped in. Outsiders, remember, who look like insiders. And he spells out the type of behavior we need to be on guard against from these wolves in sheep's clothing. Namely, they distort grace to support their love of sin. And they deny the lordship and the mastery of Christ by pursuing their own agenda. And then our second lesson came as Jude instructs us that we contend for the faith by recalling truths from the past that will aid us in our fight in the present He says that sin is serious and so we should seek godliness and that false teaching is dangerous so we should seek truth and that judgment is certain and we all need desperately to seek for grace. And so here, out on the sand dunes, we find ourselves in Jude's dojo once again, wondering what the next lesson is, saying, well, Jude, when are you going to teach us how to punch and kick and stuff? But the lessons he has for us in this training session may be just as surprising as the ones that have come before. So let's read from Jude 17 down to verse 23. This is the cu- passage we want to cover primarily today. It says this, But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you. In the end times, there will be scoffers living according to their ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We need to remember biblical truth that's the first little section i want you to take note of in verses 17 down to verse 19 and here's the first lesson that it holds for us trust that character will always reveal itself that's that's the next fighting lesson that jude's giving us that's how he's going to ask us to contend for this faith is to simply trust that character will always reveal itself and he does that primarily in two ways first way in verses 17 and verse 18 he begins by positively saying listen we can trust the teaching of the apostles we contend for the faith by simply trusting God's word, period. We we foster a, a type of posture of dependence, where our default response is: "Listen, if God said it, I believe it." It's devastating to see the effect on Christians' lives as they begin to waver in their trust of what God has said. Because there's nothing else out here that we can stand on that's solid ground. In fact, if I left this camera here long enough, you'd see these sand dunes shift. They're moving all the time. Right now, they they look pretty secure. But if you're here on a really windy day, and you stand still. You can actually see them creep. Just bit by bit. Just in front of me, there are the tops of trees that were covered who knows how long ago. Just now starting to creep out of the ground again. When we don't stand on something secure, everything else shifts. Nothing can be trusted. And so we begin by contending for the faith, by starting in its firmest foundation, where we say, if God said it, I believe it. And Jude reminds us we can trust what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ said. We can trust what they've pointed out. We can trust what they've even predicted in this case. So we can trust that character will always reveal itself, both for good and for bad. Because he goes on in verses 18 and verse 19. We can also recognize the character of the false teachers. They might look like insiders that have come from outside. They might appear like sheep, he says, but you can pick them if you watch carefully. If you stand and and pay attention, character will always reveal itself. He makes three observations about them. He says they're sensual, meaning they have their own pleasure in things. It's very different to how Jesus asked us to live, where we seek the good and desire what is best for others. These people will always look out for what suits them. They're also sort of people that no matter where they go, division follows them. I've seen them move from church to church, maybe. And their complaint is, I don't know what it is. All these people, they just are always disunity and there's division. and, And you've got to start to wonder if that's the common denominator, where the problem really lies. They look out for themselves. They cause division. And ultimately... Jude says they don't possess the spirit of God. They might act. They might act the right way. They might talk the talk. But again, if you watch long enough, do they walk the walk? Is there something regenerated inside of them? Are they a new creation? Jude says, no, they're not. Character will always reveal itself. That's our first fighting lesson. Look for character, both of those that we can trust and those that we must beware of. Here's the second lesson from verses 20 down to verse 21, if you want to mark it off. Basically, he says, listen, if you want to contend for the faith, you need to stick to your strengths. And he gives a bit of a spoiler alert, a hint. He says, Those strengths, they're not found in you. The way that he says it is, remain in God's love. He does that in a couple of ways, so let's move it through. First key phrase that you'll notice is, build yourself up in the faith. Which is quite a curious phrase. Particularly for those of us who are very familiar with the gospel, and who love the grace of God found in Christ, because we're so often prone to saying, listen, God has done it all. But here Jude sounds like, hey, listen, you build yourself up. You build yourself up in the faith. So let's firstly make it really clear what this doesn't mean. This isn't, um, let's use David as an example. This isn't David. Just a few minutes before he steps out into the valley floor Just moments before wading into battle with that Philistine champion, the giant Goliath. We don't see David standing on the sideline going, come on. You got this, David. Am I ready? I was born ready. David doesn't do that. In other words, Jude isn't saying that all you need to do is to give yourself a suitable spiritual pep talk. So what is he saying? Well, firstly, I think he's already been telling us how to do this. We build ourselves up in the faith by identifying where our faith comes from. And we're not the originator of it. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message of Christ. We can't build ourselves up in something that didn't originate from us. We need to go back to the source and that is exactly what Jude has already been telling us, hasn't he? Wasn't that today's lesson number one? Trust the word of God. Trust what the apostles have told us. So the first way that we build ourselves up in the faith is to root ourselves deep into the authority and sufficiency of God's word. But then he says, we pray in the spirit. Again, let me make it clear what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that you're required to pray in some sort of unusual or secret way or using some type of spiritual language or pray in what is often referred to as tongues. Now, I'm confident that this is not what Jude means. It's not what he had in mind. Because this letter is addressed to every Christian which means every Christian should be able to follow and put into practice what Jude has asked us to do. So we need to ask ourselves, does every Christian, every single Christian, have the ability to speak in tongues? I'm not even going to get into the debate as to whether or not those types of gifts, the sign gifts, which tongues are included, are, uh, appropriate for today or did they finished in the first century or not? You can come and ask me my thoughts on that on some other occasion if you like. But what's important to see here is that when Paul is talking about this in uh, 1 Corinthians, it's important to see that Paul makes it clear that there are various spiritual gifts and they were given to various Christians as the spirit saw fit to do it. And that tongues was a gift given to some, but not all. If Jude was saying that to pray in the Spirit was to pray in tongues, then some people, it would seem, would have been able to follow his instruction, and others wouldn't. So what does it mean? Quite simply, It means that we're to pray in accordance with the Spirit, in line with the Spirit. It's it's we pray in alignment with what the Spirit is praying. We pray in the Spirit just as we would walk in the Spirit. So in Galatians chapter 5, when Paul writes that letter to the church, really struggling to figure out what does it mean basically to live in the light of the gospel? He says in Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit so paul likens walking in the spirit as a way of displaying and living out the fruit the characteristics of the spirit in our life i think praying in the spirit is very much the same where we understand that as we pray, we are praying in alignment with what the will of the Spirit is. Maybe you're more familiar with the way Jesus uses this idea. He uses a fair bit from John 14, 15 and 16, where he says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you ask anything, we might think oh great i want a new car i want a a new house i want to be able to no if we ask anything in his name which doesn't mean at the end of your prayer you just tack on oh in jesus name amen that's not what he means either it means as you pray in alignment with the heart of jesus if you're praying the sorts of things that jesus would pray for hey He's going to do it. Jude says, listen, pray in the spirit. This was an expectation for every Christian, not just some with a particular gift, that our prayer life would be so in sync with the spirit, so in tune with Jesus and what he would pray for that our words uttered to the Father would be an extension of what the Spirit wills. And in this way, our prayer life becomes far less about what I want and far more about what God wants. In this little section, he finally moves on to a phrase where we we wait for the mercy of Jesus. This is a really surprising fighting strategy, I think. We so often think, okay, we've got to learn something. we are going to kick. We're going to punch. We're going to move. We're going to do something on the offense. But so often in God's agenda, the best thing that we can do, stand still. Just be silent. Just watch what God can do. Here's a key component in learning to stick to our strengths. To live in eager expectation of God's ability to win the fight for us. We fight best when we learn to stand still and watch God fight. Every battle, every victory, every mountain that is scaled, every valley crossed in the Christian life is ground gained under the mercy of God. Our position in the courts of heaven is bought at a great price, and that price is grace. And every breath that we breathe on earth is a gift. So Jude, rightfully here, asks us to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith, to go into battle for the faith, in the most powerful way that we can by waiting on the mercy of Jesus it's a bit like when the Egyptians rode out to recapture the Israelites after the exodus they were hemmed in by an army on one side and remember the sea on the other and they despaired and this is what God said to them Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. So often we, we rage and we, we, we worry and we, we fill our lives with anxiety about the things that are going on around us. And, and all the while, God is just saying, just be still. Just watch what I'm going to do. Trust my word. We wait on the mercy of Jesus. Now the last little section, which I think is, again, a surprising technique in our contending for the faith. So verses 22 down to verse 23. It's the final lesson that Jude's got for us in today's session. We contend best when we contend like Jesus did, like a shepherd Searching for lost sheep. We, we aren't the type of fighter most useful for the kingdom if we're the type of fighter itching to leave our mark. Finger on the trigger. We're going to own those suckers on the other side. We're going to become a keyboard warrior and flame everybody on social media. We're going to outquote scripture We're going to humiliate others with our unassailable intelligence and our unassailable logic. No. We become a contender when we are marked more by mercy than we are by notching up another theological victory on our leather Bible case. Jude says we need to, with mercy, Rescue those who doubt, not take them down. It's the wolves that we need to contend against, not the lambs that have eaten their poisonous fruit. Those that are wavering, those that are doubting, those that are uncertain, Jude says, go after them. Let mercy drive you to drag them and rescue them back in and and bring them to the fold where they can experience again the comforting grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And more than those that are just simply on the fence a little bit, he says, listen, there are some who are in great danger of being overwhelmed by the flames, the destruction that these. He says, no, go after them. Let mercy drive you to go out and rescue and care and bring back. And even those that are stained even those that that are bearing the the scars of sin in their life and foolishness in their life. Those that many others in this world wouldn't dare to touch. Jude says, let mercy drive you there also. Go after them. And he says, look, for sure, we we don't want to be drawn into that sin. We don't want to be drawn away ourselves. So do it with great care, fear. Fear. Fear the very effect of sin. It's so serious. And we talked about that last week. But rather than write them off, rather than let the cancel culture of our world affect us so that we just block them, leave them alone. Don't talk to them. Jude says, no, go after them. They need to experience the grace of the great shepherd themselves. So if we're to be followers of Jesus... We're in for the fight of our lives. We'll face obvious enemies. We'll face the great enemy. We'll face the world. We'll even face our own flesh along the way. But when the time comes, we need to be ready to contend for the faith. Not like the world contends. Not puffing up our chests and and dragging others through the mud. But... Just a bit like Mr. Miyagi, patiently and carefully surprised young Daniel with his training techniques. We can see the wisdom in what Jude's saying to us, and we will see the victory of God. We trust the sufficiency of God's word. We remain in the love of God as we build ourselves up in the faith through spirit aligned prayer and waiting with anticipation for the mercy of god and then we watch for the fallen and the wounded and we bend down just as jesus did and seek to snatch them back from the brink of destruction we never stop believing